Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Kyle Calgren. And this week we are doing two films in one episode, mostly because everything that we can say about the first one, we can also really say about the second one. There's some differences and some overlaps, but I feel like this is the most fruitful way to talk about 1987's Mannequin and 1991's Mannequin 2 on the move. Pygmalion is a legendary figure of Cyprus, though Pygmalion is the Greek version of the Phoenician royal name Pumayaton. He is most familiar from Ovid's narrative poem Metamorphoses, in which Pygmalion was a sculptor who fell in love with a statue that he had carved. In Ovid's narrative, Pygmalion was a Cypriot sculpture who carved out a woman out of ivory. According to Ovid, after seeing the... Sorry, I'm just reading from the Wikipedia entry on Pygmalion. (laughs) Um, Yes, yes, I I came upon a name that I didn't... Propotidae? Propotides? Go for it. That's it. No, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I, the joke has run its course. The joke the joke was good. So, uh, Mannequin. Mannequin 2. Um, I guess we'll start with Mannequin, and then we'll move on to Mannequin 2, if that's a all very, right with everyone. A very good place to start, and a very excellent place to finish. Yes. Uh, so, Mannequin stars Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall. Andrew McCarthy, I I don't know if he's made an appearance on the podcast yet, but he is an actor that was big in the 80s for some reason, I think mostly by association with other people who were better actors. And he somehow managed to be in many, many classics. Classics. I mean, classics in a sense. St. Elmo's Fire is pretty well-remembered. Pretty in pink, pretty well-remembered. Less than I was s- just citing Ovid. in the So <laughs> we're talking about the context of classics. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Well, you know what I mean. Um, yes. He was in the Joy Luck Club. He was a white man in there. He was in Weekend at Bernie's 1 and 2. Oh, also with an inanimate object. One of my, he's in one of my favorite movies, which is um, Mrs. Parker in the Vicious Circle, which is a film about Dorothy Parker. He plays Dorothy Parker's first husband, who's just like kind of a drunk into shit. Um, and Kim Cattrall, we know Kim Cattrall. She was in Sex in the City, and unfortunately, <laughs> the things that she has done aside from Sex in the City have not been great. Like. They've included Mannequin. Uh, yeah, they've included Mannequin. Uh, probably one of her best-remembered movies is <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China, which is like, that's a good movie that she was that in. That was she. Yeah. yeah, that was her. I forgot that was her. Um, but mostly because she's a beautiful woman, she has ended up playing a lot of beautiful women who are underwritten next to men who are also underwritten, but her being underwritten kind of matters because it's because she's a woman (laughs) that she's so often underwritten. She's a woman who's also a piece of plastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and she's definitely being used like this in this movie. This movie was uh, directed by Michael Gottlieb. Gottlieb, I'm so sorry. Gottlieb, okay. He is also the writer on Mannequin 2, but he did not direct it. Um. Hmm. 
He also directed a film called The Shrimp on the Barbie that was so <laughs> bad that he credited it to Alan Smithy. Um, he directed and wrote Illustrious a film. director, Alan Smithy. <laughs> he wrote and directed a film called Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan with some kids. And then he directed what I think is his best film, A Kid in King Arthur's Court from 1995. <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's what a, a, that's what a storied career. That's a fun movie, you know, and it's got like an early some early Kate Winslet and some early Daniel Craig in there. It does. Yeah, I mean, and I do not know the writer. He co-wrote this with a man named Edward Rugoff, who now I have to move on to IMDb because he does not have a Wikipedia page. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. I mean, that so many bum. so many people don't have Wikipedia pages, and that, that's why I have to keep this IMDb app, even though I hate this website. Do we have a Wikipedia page? <sighs> I hope not. Um, so, I hope I don't. So, yes, this writer... Oh, this was his first movie. This was the first movie that he ever wrote. That makes sense. <laughs> he Is that why it's mostly montage? Yeah, he also wrote Mr. N- he also wrote Mr. Nanny, co-wrote Mr. Nanny. So this is this is his like work partner, this guy. I don't okay. Sure. So these movies are pretty this movie is pretty straightforward in terms of like what it is. It's a man. He's a, Andrew McCarthy is a sculptor, but he isn't getting paid to be a sculptor, so he has a bunch of other jobs, but while he's at all these other jobs, he can't stop sculpting. He has sculpt fever. He's just too good of an artist, you know? <laughs> he's a notor of sculpting. He just, he can't stop. He's sculpting pizza. He's sculpting hedges. He's... He just does too much work. He's just, he's too much of a hard worker. Um, and so apparently his hands are guided to create a mannequin that is actually an Egyptian, an ancient Egyptian princess who... Who for some reason looks like Kim Cattrall. Yeah, for some reason this is... This ancient Egyptian. very pale. Uh, she, she, was a, she was an Egyptian princess, and she asked the gods to get her out of marriage because she did not want to get married, and so instead... Um, and she wanted to be transported to a different time where it's different for women, which the 80s, sure, the 80s. I guess, like, if that's that's the progressive place that you want to, the progressive 80s, well-known progressive. Wow. Um, and so somehow she, so she comes, she comes to life, but the trick is, is that only the man who made her can see her, so every, so no one else can see her move. And so every single time they're together, he just seems like a crazy person. Who's in love with a mannequin. A mannequin, yes. It's a wacky misunderstanding. Yeah. And there's also James Spader, who, you know, he smells oh something. I love James Spader he in this. He smells something. Just... This, this dweeb, <laughs> he's just playing a dweeb. He's credited as like Mr. Richards. He doesn't even Mr. have a first name. <laughs> like his hair slicked down. He has these, like, little round glasses. And he's just... He's like playing a if a Whit Stillman character was written by an idiot. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent he is. Um, and we also have I, we have to talk about. Um, I okay, let me let me 
Oh, no, there's no oh, pronunciation we... on the Wikipedia page. Massach, Massach, Ta- Taylor. I'm so sorry, um, Black King. I just can't say, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he, he You're pl- talking about Hollywood. He plays a character named Hollywood Montrose, who is in this movie, and he's also in Mannequin 2. He has a much bigger, he's in a lot more of Mannequin 2, I think. Yeah, he's the uh, the Ben from Short Circuit of this franchise. Yeah, um, and he is uh, playing a very flamboyantly gay, very fashion-forward really? I didn't really pick up on that. Oh, no? Okay. <laughs> um, it, it's very subtle. There's yeah. a lot of nuance in it. There's a lot of, like, you know, layers. Honestly, and, um, I'm surprised. So this film... Uh, did it win the Academy Award or was it just nominated? Mannequin uh-huh. received, no, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song for Starship's Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, which which plays at the, the end. Um, and also it plays at the end of the <laughs> Mannequin 2 as well. But well, I, I, feel, play it twice. I feel like Hollywood deserves that nomination, Hollywood Montrose. <laughs> just the character. Yeah, no, just the character himself. Like, not even the actor, just the character. Hmm. Should pick up his Oscar. <laughs> uh, he did have a lot of different sunglasses. Yeah, I mean... For different occasions. I mean, what... <laughs> what a trendsetter. What a, what, an, what a, Okay, <laughs> what an I should artist. mention my favorite pair, set of glasses. It's like the one that's very asymmetrical. It's like this swoosh of pink feathers. Yeah. Oh, man. And then he has an identical pair of glasses that swoosh the other way oh. that he wears in the in the next scene. This man is an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> uh, so instead of going through all of the plot details of mannequin, there aren't any. There aren't any. Um, <laughs> let's talk about this. Love story. Love. And I feel like we should also talk about Mannequin 2 now. Now, Mannequin 2 is... Um, that's, it, that's, like, really involved. There's a whole, like... They gave much more thought to the backstory of this mannequin that comes to life in this oh, one. Oh, yeah. Because it's a different mannequin. There's a different mannequin in Mannequin 2. Um, yeah, I guess it, it's it's kind of hard. I still, I still stand by the idea that we should talk about them both at the same time. I'm just trying to figure out how... Well, we've explained the plot of the first one. So let's explain the plot of the second one. Yeah. Um, Mannequin 2, it was uh, medieval times, and there was... It was the restaurant, yes. there There was a prince who was in love with a peasant girl, and his mother, the queen, was not really into it, so she teamed up with a wizard who would make sure that they weren't married by uh, putting like a like a necklace on her putting a magical necklace on this on this on this on this peasant girl and the magical necklace uh, turns her into a 20th century department store mannequin yes turns her into a mannequin <laughs> and the only way that the spell he invented plastic yeah, the only way that the spell can be broken is like with love in True the other time and blur blurp and it's a thing where like <laughs> the characters in this flashback like the the actors come up in in the present but they look different so I guess dude um star of Herman's head 
<laughs> as Herman, right? Yes, he is the he is the titular Herman. Uh, this actor's name was William Ragsdale. William Ragsdale, who's still with us. Um, <laughs> and the peasant girl is Christy Swanson, a chick who I used to really like, but uh, maybe if you want to continue to like her, do not look at her Twitter account or any of her social media. Oh. That would be that would be great. That's that's what you should do for Christy Swanson. Oh, did she become a... She is um, the original... She is Buffy from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie from 92, and she's great in it, and she's great in a lot of other things. Um, Don't look at her social media. (laughs) So... And, and we should also mention that the uh, the wizard who turns her in t- into a mannequin was the body. He was Bernie. Yes, yes, Bernie's. yes, yes, he was. He, um, God, what's the name? Terry Kaiser. Terry Kaiser is here. The and 80s. he has a joke mole, a yes. joke mole with a long hair sticking out of oh, it. Oh, yeah, well, the height of comedy. And, of course, Hollywood Montrose is back. And there's also these, like, big um, German... Like I think they were doing Austrian because Austrian. they were Austrian. Okay. I think I think Austrian because they were trying to do Schwarzenegger. Oh, okay. Who's Austrian? And also they're trying to well before Rocco's Modern Life or maybe during. We're going to pump, pump you you up. Yes. <laughs> you have to do it with the slap or else. Okay. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. What I mean. They're they're SNL characters. They're they just honestly, wacky comedy. They're honestly the best. Um, I was you know the only thing that would make this movie better is if. Like you'd have like Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd is like the wild and crazy guys, <laughs> and they are just here doing the wacky Central European <laughs> accents as they go and find the uh, enchanted peasant girl. <laughs> they all they all call her the enchanted peasant girl. Yes, the enchanted you think peasant after, girl. You think after a thousand years of owning this, they would come up with a, like a more poetic name for their national symbol? I don't know. You would think. Yeah. So in both situations here, we have uh, men who are young men who are down on their luck um, and handsome in an 80s kind of way. And they fall in love with these beautiful blondes that also are inanimate objects. Is this a magical girl anime? A magical girl anime would do a better job of everything. So much better. Shout out to Chobits. Um, I don't know what that is. Yeah, only, only the anime heads will know what I mean. Okay. Um, so let's talk about this idea because both of these movies end in marriage, even though the, the time spans for these stories are like maybe a week. Yeah, a week really? tops. A week tops, like not much longer for either one. So, we are left with a question. And the question is, is the reason why these men fall in love with these women from another time who are mannequins because these guys suck and they (laughs) don't want to be with any woman that's going to challenge them? Because I think in both situations, they're... At least I know in the first movie, there is another woman who is just like a little bit, you know, she's a little bit harder. She's um, Mm -hmm. Roxy. She's a little bit like more like she demands more of Andrew McCarthy. 
things that he can't deliver, like keeping a job and like being yeah. responsible. And his escape from that is a woman who wants nothing from him except, you know, to not be a guy from ancient Egypt, which he just very low criteria. Like not be a dung farmer or dung salesman or whatever the joke job the other guy had. And in Mannequin 2, Christy Swanson wants to be with this guy because he looks like the guy that she was with in in medieval times. That's really the only reason. This guy has really no similarities with the other guy, except that they have the same face. And that's all she wants. He's not a prince. He's not a prince. He's just a guy. Um... So, I guess my main question would be, how old do you think these women are supposed to be? Like, I know that they're like... They're thousands, centuries old. Right, but no, I mean, how old millennia. they were when they were frozen in time and brought to the future. Because I think I that know. even though these are like fully grown women, actresses, I think that they're supposed to be like teenagers because they act like teenagers to me. They just run around going on adventures. Yeah, they're excited. I, yeah, by, they're excited by like very basic things. Like these guys, these guys are able to date these these mannequin women, basically by doing the bare minimum because they're just these women are just glad that someone's paying attention to them, so they don't have to work. It is by their actions that they are brought to life. Because without them, they would just literally cease to exist. They have no lives outside of their um, boring white guys. Yeah, like, I mean... It's, literally. It's so interesting, because, I mean, like, you know, you don't like weird science, and a lot of people don't like weird yeah. science, but at least Lisa doesn't end up with the boys. She just becomes, yeah. like, a hopping-around genie, like, teaching boys lessons. I mean, bad True. lessons. But she doesn't... She, she has other interests. She's not, even though she was made by a computer, she goes off and has her own adventures and she doesn't. Yeah, she has goals. And she doesn't seem to be like, she's not immature. She's just like, okay, these boys are going to grow up into men and maybe I'm not going to see them again. And that's fine. Um, One of the commenters on our last, um, on the last video we did together, was it, was it Weird Signs? Was that the last one we did together? Yeah, I think that that was the last yeah. one that you were on. Um, Weird Science is basically a proto-ex machina. Uh, yeah, 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 I saw that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she definitely has ambitions and you know goals outside of the men who gave her life. Yeah. Aside from, you know, these dolls, which are set up to be betrothed forever what are the lines they okay so so they can build this thing together stand the stormy weather so nothing's gonna stop them stop them from doing what is the question no nothing's gonna stop us now um these that, that's the what the song says nothing is going to stop us from what uh, that is the question uh yeah it, a lot of okay christy swanson and kim cattrall in these movies really make me think of um the princesses from the Bill and Ted movies. Right. Just 
like trophies. They're just like, wow. And the princesses are just happy that the boys are nice. Like there's like in sometime in Bogus Journey where the princesses are like, there's like a little bit of pressure to like grow up. But the princesses aren't like mean about the pressure. They're just like, you know, whenever you're ready to grow up, like, well, we're here. Like, what are they going to do? They can't go back to their own time. Yeah, they're just, they're just like there stuck. with a couple of dumb guys. They're just like there with like Bill and Ted. I mean, well, Bill and Ted are at least nice. Bill and, and Ted are, are nice, and they're ambitious. They just and they're not the evil Bill and Ted. Who, right, like, right. Yeah, you know. exactly. So uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like in Bogus Journey, like if they had any doubts about Bill and Ted, running into evil Bill and Ted was just like, oh no 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 no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not gonna go anywhere. <laughs> Yikes! Oh, life is great. <laughs> um, but mm. yeah, it's very. Like, at least Bill and Ted have the power and, like, sweetness and generosity to literally change the world. Be excellent to each other. That changes the entire, entire future. World. Yeah. What do... What does Andrew McCarthy and Herman Ted... What what do they bring to the table? <laughs> um, A warm body. A warm human body and the power to animate them yeah and if you heard that i don't know if you will in this recording but that is the heater welcome <laughs> to new york um i i decided yeah it's been going on it was like really it was really loud for a second there and i yeah. just didn't want to stop our train of thought for the heater like we we and i, I admire that i admire that we've overcome the heater we've overcome this inanimate object yeah. with our willpower with we our did. with our you and know we also didn't try to fuck it yeah <laughs> Well, I did, but you weren't looking. <laughs> um, what is this? Where do you think, as a man, do you think it comes from to want to be with the kind of girl? I feel like um, Pop Culture Detective has talked about this. Yes. Uh, born Sexy Yesterday, I believe, was the, uh, yeah, the term. Yeah. This, this idea of these women that do not know anything and therefore do not want anything from you. Therefore you can give them the bare minimum and they are excited. Yeah. I think it's, it's this patriarchal thing of, um, of wanting a body to sleep with and not a person of the idea that a woman's personality like gets in the way of her duties as a woe man. Yeah. Because like uh, these, these women marry, these men after like a week of hijinks and I would love to know like where those marriages would go would they never be attracted to anyone else would they never like gain any like ambition or thought like this is the first man that they met and the other first man that they meet is Hollywood who isn't attracted to women so like who are they (laughs) really are you sure about that (laughs) who are they I don't know I just just, he's so he's a very ambiguous subtle character (laughs) It was just there's so again layers <laughs> layers. Yeah, I couldn't get a read on Hollywood. I, I, I mean, he's very complex. Yes, I would love to read some scholarship on Hollywood. You know, if anybody wants to do yeah. some writing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is about um, North Philadelphians, but they're just very. They are very <laughs> mysterious as people. <laughs> Um, I, w- I will say, uh, you know, despite the fact that these are both bad movies, I think Mannequin 2 is the superior film, and I think that you agree with me. 
Uh, yeah, like it has stakes. It has a whole arc to it. There's like a very distinct beginning, middle, and end. Protagonist, antagonist, side characters. Like you can see the arc of the film before it finishes. Yeah. Which is a it's sh- very save the cat. Yeah, yeah. It is very you know like I wrote a screenplay. This yes. Is a screenplay. Um, and I and I think that that's at least more compelling than the first mannequin, which is just a man doing nothing and being rewarded. At least Terman's head has like to do some stuff. I mean, none of it really has to do with, or is an indication of him being a good partner, but he does overcome things, which almost makes their romance seem better, but then they still end up getting married, which the, the automatic because marriage they were destined to. does not work for me. It's too soon. Is it because it was, you know, the 80s and um, I guess ending in marriage is, I guess, more um, PG than ending with, I don't know. We're just going to live in sin. Yes. Like like Ronald Reagan himself was just like, no. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not Ronald Reagan himself, but, you know, the, the zeitgeist, the mm. ethos kind of called for um, a traditional, like... Comedies end in marriage, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very, that's like how, like, Shakespearean stuff ends. Yeah. At least that makes sense, because it was that time. That's how it would end in that time. But this... (laughs) But in both, you know, supposedly they, um, they escaped to the modern world to experience a more liberated, a more, um, liberal... Right, exactly. Uh, so lifestyle. These are two, yes. The first, Kim Cattrall does not want to be married to a person that she doesn't love, and Christy Swanson wants to, wants, you know, the choice to marry above her station. And neither one of them really get what they want. Like, Kim Cattrall just, just gets married just to someone in the 80s. And just a guy. Just a guy. And Christy an underwritten guy, but he's an artist. And Christy Swanson um, just marries basically another peasant with the face of a prince that she knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> so neither... Again, that assumes that the writer of this film actually cared about their goals beyond just writing it down once and then... I feel like this fi- these films exist to um, give, like, a nice pat to the 80s and early... late. Well, really, it, the 1991 one is mostly just the 80s. It's mostly giving it up to the mm. 80s. But the 80s and early 90s, um, respectfully, I think it's like... Yeah, the 90s didn't start until Clinton was elected. It's kind of just like a... The time that we're in are better and... Who better to liberate these women than white men who are probably would be responsible for their subjugation in the past as well? Like it's weird. Like come yeah. to the eighties where women can we do have what freedom. they want. Yeah, we have freedom, but you're doing the same thing that you would have done before. Like it doesn't make sense. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, can you speak to, um, have you ever, is this ever something that you fantasized about, you know, a woman that just, like, was super impressed by you all the time and was just, you know, you can never do wrong. No, that would be weird. That would be weird. 
I, I'm not impressed by myself all the time. Why would I want someone who is? I'm very underwhelmed by myself, and I would be very comfortable with someone who actually was equally underwhelmed by me. <laughs> I'm not underwhelmed by you. Aw, thank you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> it's not. It's not. You... <laughs> That just felt that's just felt like the funniest thing to say yeah. in the moment. I okay, because I mean you're I I wanted to do these movies with you because you are a man and maybe you can shed some insight. Oh boy, on my people. Yes, yes. Explain on, your people. Okay. Um. All right. Whew. Why do men want partners who are inanimate objects? Because Men are broken. Just, and we have been for generations. We've been broken into thinking that, um, like, sexual partners, romantic partners, um, cannot be anything more than sexual or or romantic partners. Or just this idea that, um, that to love someone romantically or sexually is to not love them fully. It's just, it's a broken idea of masculinity that shows up here, and it's, it goes back centuries, it goes back millennia, to the Pygmalion story about a guy who sculpts a woman out of ivory. Um, it's objectification. And it's evil. And I don't know if I can explain it or, um, or anything. And frankly, I feel a little put on the spot. No, no, I think that you have a, that you're giving great answers. I mean, you shouldn't feel on the spot. There's no wrong answer. This is a comedy podcast. I know the wrong answer would be this. There's nothing wrong with this movie. And I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, well, yeah, that would be the wrong answer. That would be the wrong answer. But I know that you wouldn't say that. So, you know, there is nothing, there's nothing that you could really say wrong. I think you said a lot of great stuff there. I do wonder, like, maybe, maybe does it come from, does it come from fear of someone who, because, like, especially in the first movie, we're given supposedly the opposite of Kim Cattrall with Roxy. And what's mm-hmm. interesting about that is that, number one, the actress who plays Roxy would be way more convincing as an Egyptian princess. Um, so much more. And what also, it's, she is positioned as bad because she expects more, she wants more. But isn't that what Kim Cattrall should want? Isn't that how her character is introduced for wanting more, for expecting more? So then why is this character villainized for actually actively taking Andrew McCarthy to task? I think it was... I don't know the um, blah, words. You cut this part out. No, I'm not gonna cut it out. It's just a second. Like <laughs> okay, just a second. Um, <laughs> I guess it like falls in this sitcom idea of marriage. Like um, I don't know. I guess we're 
conditioned to think that love isn't challenging, that love isn't, um, isn't like an everyday like verb, a, a, a struggle to you know prove yourself yeah. worthy of of being loved and to give love yourself. And this is a guy who I think is just lazy, who wants to skip all that and have someone who doesn't ever ask him. Love means never having to say, not only you're sorry, but anything. Yeah. And we can bear this dream together, stand this stormy weather. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Except expectations. Except expectations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. This is. I, I feel like these are. Yes, at no point do either of the mannequins say, get a real job. No, <laughs> no one says that. You would think that someone would say that. Get a job. <laughs> How are they going to be married if you can't support them? What are what are these men? They going had money to do? back in the back in the day. Yeah, it's no, it's bad. It's bad and it's this idea that like I notice this a lot with romances written by men where there are two women. There's one who asks nothing of you and there is another that asks everything of you. And whoever asks everything is the harpy and whoever asks nothing is the one that wins. It's also very clear, like, uh, in the original comics of Betty and Veronica. Um, Betty does not challenge Archie. Betty loves Archie for who he is and believes that if she just is nice and waits, she will get him. Meanwhile, Veronica challenges Archie, not only by her um, her money, her social, her social status, but just by the fact that she requires excellence she considers herself excellent she wants him to be excellent she wants him to dress excellent like there's more at stake and of course a lot of that uh pressure also gets shifted off to her dad who's supposed to be like the one that's like oh well archie is not good enough for my daughter but i think you're talking about the original comics not yes the i'm nonsense not talking about River- no i'm not talking about riverdale good. yeah i'm i'm talking about this idea that like this is this is how it is, you know, the blonde, the brunette, the one who wants and the one who you want. Mm-hmm. This th- this shouldn't it be both? It should be. Yeah. There should not be a choice between Betty and Veronica. We should make Betty and Veronica the same person. We should sculpt a Betty Veronica <laughs> out of plastic and then bring it to life. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a movie. <laughs> that sounds like two movies. I I would say, okay, well, we're beyond this, but are we? Are we? Well, I, I mean, we can look at look at Mad Men. We have Betty Draper who you know, she was perfect. She was a model. She was sweet. She gave him children. She took care of his home. And he just couldn't stop cheating on her, mostly by women with darker hair and more ambition. <laughs> funny how that works. <laughs> Very funny. Archie Andrews and Don Draper. Yeah. The same character. Oh, there's a... Whoa. Hmm. 
we, I think we just did something there. Yeah, we should pitch that. <laughs> we should pitch it to the CW. It can be called Riverdale. <laughs> um, um, you know, this is a very, it, it's weird, because this is a very basic kind of sexism, so it might seem silly to even... <laughs> look yeah. into this but i but re- it's pervasive it is because it's, it's still ubiquitous. around and i mean it's so ubiquitous that it's really tough to um tough to, to talk about because it's you know it's so obvious that it's it's so you know, obvious that you would think that you know we yeah. would just stop <laughs> it that we would stop it but no one has hmm. stopped it it, it continues yeah. um so it's been a while since i've seen lars and the real girl but um, that seems like a good antidote to this movie, right? Yeah, Lars and the Real Girl would be a great antidote. <sighs> you know... Ryan Gosling has much more going for him than either um, Herman's Head or um, Bernie, Burning Man. Bernie, Weekend at Bernie's Man. Weekend at Bernie's Man. <laughs> Whose name I've already forgotten. Andrew McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy, yeah. Yes, Andrew. Andrew McCarthy. (laughs) These are... It's a shame that we couldn't, like, do this just, like, one episode to episode, but it's just, like, could you imagine us talking twice about (sighs) these? About the same thing. Hey, you ever think Hollywood just ever had a single moment to himself to think, how do I know two white guys who both fell in love with department store dummies. How do I keep finding myself in this situation? Why do I attract these kind of men to me? I feel like Hollywood needed to see a therapist. Yeah, I think Hollywood needed, you know, he needed someone to talk to, someone who got him, someone who, you know, you know spoke to him on a deep level. He needed a friend. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Again, very subtle, nuanced character. I would really... You know, I would say, hey, stop making these movies, but we have stopped, we, we have stopped making these movies, but we have transferred the conflict of this movie into every other facet of media somehow. It won't die. Mm-hmm. Even in, you know, Mad Men. Like, what? <laughs> Are we doomed? <laughs> no, we're just trapped in a, in a cycle of... You know, culture that perpetuates toxic ideas through millennia. Read Ovid. Well, on that note. (laughs) (laughs) And we can build this dream together. Stand this stormy weather. Nothing's gonna stop us now. And we, we just hold hand we just held hands. Oh yeah, it's been very uh, you can't beautiful. hear it on the podcast, but we just tell each other's and hands. And because we've been through this experience of talking about this movie, we have to get married because we've been through a journey. Oh my god. We have to. We have to yeah, it's it's law. That's how we end this. Are yeah. you ready? Yes. Am I the mannequin in this? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that would be a great way to <laughs> subvert expectations. You're the mannequin. <laughs> Oh my god. I, I took I took off Kyle's magic glasses and he <laughs> reverted back to a mannequin. <laughs> I'm just frozen. This is great audio, by the way. <laughs> so 
If you are listening to this episode, I am in Texas. Woo. Woo. Yes, I'm so proud of you. I am at South by Southwest. That's when this episode will be released. I will be in Texas. I Kyle will be here. Yeah, just chilling. Just chilling. And um I'm I'm hopefully having a great time. And uh, please continue to support the podcast when I come back to New York and I am actually around again. We were we're trying to do a live show, looking for a venue, trying to get all that. So maybe one day you will actually see me in person in New York because I will not be doing a live show in Texas unless somebody wants to pay us. Then we'll definitely you pay for our plane tickets. We'll go to Texas and do it. Um <laughs> We are at patreon.com slash badbromancepod. We're on the Twits. We're on the Spotify's, the Google Plays. If you're on the Patreon and you pledged $5 or more, you can request that we do a movie. We have a bonus episode on right now. Us talking about Zondali. There'll be another bonus episode. Which sucks. I mean, and by I us... I know the, the episode is brilliant, but Zondali, I watched it with you. And by us, I mean me and Brennan. Kyle's yeah. not on that episode, but we'll get Kyle on for an erotic thriller. Oh, my God. For soon. And that's only and that's only for patrons. Those are not released out. We might release one as like a tease, like, this is what you're missing, but that's all we're going to do. So, hopefully, you stick with us. Um... And we will be back and probably drunk sometime. <laughs> Remember to drink water. Remember to take care of yourself. Do your skincare routine. Good liver. Take care of your liver. Very, very good. We love you. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Kyle Calgren. Bye. Bye. I'm a mannequin. Freeze. Uh, yeah. Back it up. Back it up. Let's dump this truck.